podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I am your host as always and I'm joined this week to go through the 2-0 victory over St Mirren at Ibrox by, first of all, returning David Marshall. Uh, how you doing mate, glad to be here. Uh, yep, in my role as Heart and Hand Sitman correspondent, so glad to be here for us. Well, week. of course, you know, you, you are Linwood Rose, you know, you are. Look, one day there will be a statue to you similar to the Desperate Dan statue in Dundee. There's um, an aspiration, son. It's a sh- it's a shocking uh, indictment of the town that there isn't one there now already. Quite frankly, <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know if Linwood has such a thing as a, a chamber of commerce, but well, if so, it's, it's me or Paul Lambert, and fuck him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Strongly worded letters, folks, to your local MP until we get a Dave statue put up. And joining us to discuss the match as well is Colin McMillan. Hello, Colin. Hello, David. You're delighted to be back on the flagship and speaking to you guys, and obviously the listeners and David Marshall as well. Uh, Colin uh, has pulled AGM duty for Heart and Hand this year, so we'll discuss that later on in the show. But let's start off with the match at Ibrox on Sunday. Rangers, of course, coming off the back of two disappointing results. And I think it's fair to say a very disappointing performance against Aris Limassol. I must admit, Dave, you and I sat here and talked last week about the Aberdeen display. It wasn't great, but there were good things in it. You know, there was four or five good passages of play and chances made, and you left feeling, well, we should have won that game. I didn't leave the Limassol match thinking we should have won that. I mean, I felt we should have won it, but I don't think we deserved to win it. Um, I thought we were really poor. I didn't think we we got anything going whatsoever. I thought it was very, very lacklustre indeed and just, just not impressive. And of course, going into the match yesterday, there was some debate about Todd Campwell hauled off after 35 minutes of the match against Aris. The manager said he wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. Therefore, I took him off, put Ross McCausland on, who of course got the goal. But uh, he continued with... Sam Lammers and their Lammers had a, another mm. shocker, we've got to be honest. I mean, it was a really, really desperately poor performance. And that raised some questions about the team selection going in. Whereas yesterday, I think the manager showed that he doesn't hold grudges, certainly. Todd Cantwell was there. He was in the number 10 position with Tom Lawrence dropping back into midfield. Rangers short of options in there. Sifuentes had played the last two, hadn't impressed. We'll start off, first of all, about Todd Cantwell. I really don't think it's debatable that he is our best number 10. And, you know, we'll come yesterday to, although he, I don't think anyone was brilliant yesterday, um, he has, you know, two assists in that game, which kind of shows you his use there. I can understand that sometimes you need to pick horses for courses, but if it was a case of, well, we have another number 10 there, possibly Lawrence, I think I could understand, right, we're asking Cantwell to play in that role. But when you do have McCausland, when you do have uh, uh, the other option as that number 10 being Lammers, you know, God love him, but he, he shouldn't be in the team. And I was I was happy to see that team selection when I turned up yesterday. Yes, it was I. Uh, the, the first night situation was a tricky one because... I can understand where the manager's come from when he says that, you know, Todd wasn't doing what he wanted him to do. I would 
Ask him, however, who was, because if the other 10 players in the park, okay, other nine, I'll take Jack Button out of that. Other nine players on the park were doing what he wanted, and then I'm going to ask some questions of the manager. Um, On its own, I didn't have much problem with Cantwell coming off. It's the fact he was taken off with Sam Lammers still being on the pitch, um, and Lammers being in that 10 role when, you know, the guy has given us so much evidence now that he's just simply not a very good footballer. I was glad to see him starting on uh, uh, at the weekend there. I was, you know, a wee bit worried about that whole situation. I think there was some rumbles on this, um, talking to various people and seeing it online, um, how Cantwell would react to that. You know, would he take the half? Would his head go down? And, you know, could this really be the start of the end of his Rangers career? I think I think he had a good game yesterday. I, I agree. I wouldn't go as far to say anyone played great yesterday, but I think Cantwell had a good game. Um I think it's exactly the reaction we were looking for from him. I'm glad that him and the manager, listened to the manager's uh, comments after the St. Martin game, seems like they've had a very good, open, grown-up ch- chat about things. I think there has been a situation with the rest of the squad that's forced Cantwell to be played uh, outside his natural position. <laughs> if he's doing things like that, or even in a game like yesterday, where it's maybe just a 7 or a 6 out of 10, he still does things. He gets the team going. He's one of our... Um, if not the most creative player we've got, which is one of the things I had a problem with the goal on Thursday. I understand that Cantwell was at fault, but at the same time, I think an attacking player should be able to lose the ball ten yards out the opponent, uh, ten yards away from the opponent's box, and it not directly leading to a goal. If we want our creative players to take risks, we need to cover them when they take these risks and they don't come off. But yeah, overall, I thought he did well yesterday. I think um, it says a lot about him um, that he was able to come in and put in that good performance. He didn't take the half; his head didn't go down. And yeah, just going forward, if, if Lammers starts over uh, Cantwell again, David, then I'll be heading from my bedroom window, I think. Yeah, I, I just think he's a far better player. And, and as I've mentioned before, I feel sorry for Lammers on a human level because yeah. I know that, that sometimes there's a temptation to go, well, they earn enough money, but it can't be easy to have 50,000 people in a stadium desperate for you to go off thinking that you are absolutely terrible at your job. Um, but he he shouldn't be in the team. He just he, he, he it's not even that he's not playing well. He's he's actively detrimental at times. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I was delighted to see Campbell back there. I was also delighted calling to see Tom Lawrence. Not so much specifically Tom Lawrence, but an attacking midfielder in one of those two positions. Now there are certain games right where you cannot do that. I understand that the manager spoke about uh, the other night that the reason that he likes two sitters and, and you know, he's not alone or Gerard did it, Geo did it. But I've moaned till I'm long and weary on this show, um, about I think at home against other teams in the league, we will these teams are gonna happily give us sixty, seventy percent possession of the ball. And to Dave's point there, I think you should be able to cover for the attacks that you're going to get. If you're the centre-backs, you know what's coming. And I think with one holder and two centre-backs, you should be aware of what will essentially be breaks, right? And sometimes a team will break on you. Sometimes you can make a mistake, like Lundstrom did, which led to the, the good save by Jack Butland in the first half. But I think that just having that extra creative player, and again, I don't think Lawrence was brilliant yesterday, but it was more the fact that that type of player was in there. I asked the manager after the game, is that something we might see more moving forward? And he spoke about, you know, well, we don't have Jack and Raskin at the moment. Um, he, he kind of said, well, Sifu's coming back from injury, but I think that was also a polite way of saying he, he didn't nail the place when he got the opportunity. 
uh, I just like having somebody who's maybe, for want of a better term, a more forward-thinking player in that particular position against a side who are quite openly going to say, right, you can have the ball there. We're going to put men behind the ball here, and it's up to you to break us down. I think having another creative asset in there can be quite useful. I think it's something I've been crying out with, uh, crying out for for quite some time. Um, against teams like St Mirren and St Mirren are third in the league, David, but they're they're not the third best team in the league by any stretch of the imagination. But the table doesn't lie; they are at the minute the third best team in the league standings, and we did it performance wise. Yeah, yeah, and in the in terms of um, in terms of this weekend in this game, we did it, and it didn't do us any harm. It worked. It wasn't the greatest performance for a number of reasons, but we, we won the game, we kept a clean sheet, we got the three points. So, yeah, for games like this, I think we absolutely should be having that extra sort of attacking player just to give, if nothing else, it gives the defenders work up against somebody else to worry about, somebody else to think about, another option in that final third. Um, there will be games, like you say, where we do need to have the two um, sort of their defensive-minded players that can do a little bit extra rather than just the attacking stuff. But we should absolutely have a pool of players that are intelligent enough and diverse enough that they can mix and match formations, tactics, and what they need to do, depending on the opposition. We should have, like you say, this available for matches like this, and then something a little bit more solid, a little bit more defensive-minded for old firm matches, European matches, away at Easter Road or Tynecastle, things like that. Um, it's definitely something we should see. We shouldn't be so ingrained in one tactic, one formation, and this is how we play. We should mix it up based on the opposition, and if we have any aspirations of being a Rangers team that's going to go on and lift trophies and win things, we have to have the talent and the players that are able to do that. Yeah, and I think that the match yesterday kind of didn't surprise anybody, Dave. As I say, St Mirren came, they uh, looked to keep it tight, hit on the break, um, forced a good save, as I said, from Jack Butland after a mistake. Rangers weren't really creating an awful lot in the first half. We were working them because we, as I say, we had the extra attacking option and we also had two wide players that were prepared to have a go at them. Um, and we, we we were moving them about. That that leads to an excellent opening goal. First goal in a few games for Abdallah Sima. Um, the manager speaking afterwards about Abdallah Sima, Dave, and he said that sometimes he feels he, he's actually a wee bit uh, too unselfish. Then he said, well, I don't want players you know, shooting from every single angle, but sometimes I think Abdallah um, is maybe too keen to, to, to tee up a free player rather than going on his own. Uh, what I will say about Seema is that that chance in the second half, terrific through ball, um, who might even be up there with the, the Scott Allen one. Eh? Oh, behave. Come on now. I know. I don't know why I said that. No, I know. I know. Nonsense. And absolutely the pass. But uh, <laughs> uh, the, a tremendous ball. I mean, to the vision to see it, the execution, everything about it, the weight on it, perfect. But of all our forward players, one-on-one with a goalkeeper like that, it's actually Seema that I'm most confident is going to stick the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, to simplify things really down to its most basic concept, David, I, I like players who do things, and Seema is a day things player. He can take the ball run, he can beat a man, and he's got a good finish on him as well. That's pretty much all I'm looking for from someone um, playing in Seamus' position. You, you know, he said he's not scored in a few games, but he's got a good um, good contribution for us so far this season. He, he could, he, he's, he's sort of, he, well, he's not sorry, he, he's tracking for 20 goals from mm-hmm. wide left, and we just have not had that. 
No, that that would be smashing. I, I would bite your hand off for that. That would be that would be lovely. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of the guy um, because he does contribute. I think I thought he took his uh, two goals at the weekend really well. Um, I, I was reading something on, online today about you know maybe seeing him bring in uh, playing in the central role if we're if we're not uh, getting Danilo starting. Um, I, would it be against that? But I don't know if that maybe takes something away from the fact he doesn't, would it be able to make those runs from wide, which I think uh, suits him. But yeah, the guy just, he's a, he's, a, he's one of the very few players in this team at the moment that you do get excited about. He's got the, the composure about him to do do that kind of finish that we've seen. And he's got the ability to run and beat a man. Yeah, I'd very, very, very happy with him so far. Um we we slumped there without the goals, but if he keeps it up the way he's doing, I think yeah, we've we've won a watch here so far this season. Yeah, I agree with that. I know what you mean about doing things, but he's a contributor. He's somebody that yep. you can physically point to and say, Well, he did this, he, he scored that, he created this and, and I do I'm the same I it's, like that. Even even if he has a slump perform, Davey, I I I'd be, you know, hesitant to take him out the team because he has got that ability to do something in him. Mm. And and yeah, I I also call and like David's point because I think it's a fair point that we have issues in the striking department. Yesterday, the manager uh, put in Dessers because Danilo, I think, had, had looked a bit uh, jaded the other night and uh, he, he he put Dess in. He did, he did well at the first goal, um, to be fair, but again, I didn't think it was a uh, a performance that would make you think, right, well, he's, he's got to start the next match. Um, Danilo's been a wee bit off the boil, as we say, since the since the international break. I, I think it's something that we need to look at in January because Ruth is just a known factor in there. Um, so I think that we, we need to bring in an option. But in this intense period and match after match after match, is Sima possibly through the middle, especially if we can get, you know, Matondo showing some of the flashes of form he showed earlier in the season, it, it, it might be an option to give us something in there at a time when we are with a bit of a death in that particular position. Yeah, I think the the fact that we've got a death in that position is the exact reason why it is an option for us, because it probably isn't his most ideal position. It probably does take away a little bit of his key attributes. <laughs> he's not going to get space to run into playing centrally up front for Rangers, and certainly not in domestic games. Mm. But given where we're at, strikers-wise, you're right, Roof can't be relied upon whatsoever. Um, Dessers just doesn't look like he's going to do it and you can't rely on Danilo just to do everything and play every minute of every game, lead the line and do it all himself, it's not fair on him, uh, it's going to be to his detriment he's more likely to get injured doing that than more than anything else, so we do need somebody to support him and I think the manager did the right thing yesterday by giving him the break taking him away and putting Dessers on to see what he could do but to give Danilo that break so that Danilo's fresh for midweek for what's on paper is the harder game where you would want Danilo, if you could only have Danilo for one of the games this week, you would want him for Wednesday. So it does make sense. And yes, Sima could very much be an option for us through the central. He certainly knows how to score. He's great at finishing, like you said earlier. He's the one you would rely on to score in an a, 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 a opportunity. You think he's probably more likely to put the ball in the back of the net than the other strikers, given how often the rest of them miss them. Um, so yeah, it's definitely one I would like to see, especially with, like I say, no roof at the minute. Lovelace not yet back to fitness and no other real options coming from anywhere else. So it's one you can hopefully see, because these matches in December are hectic, they're coming mm-hmm. thick and fast, and we're going to have to use the squad in every position, and up front is no different. It really was a lovely goal. Uh, you know, terrific play by Cantwell, but the touch then to take him away, the pace to take him away, but then 
takes the time to calmly set himself, pick where he's going to put it, against a good goalkeeper, by the way, and slots at home, and uh, the, the the points were in the bag there. So I never really got the impression, Dave, with it as ever coming close to top gear, that, that we were likely to drop points yesterday. I think that, that Rangers did certainly show enough about us to get the win. It, it wasn't a great performance by any man or means. I don't think anybody's fooled by that, but it was solid. Um, and... I, you know, back on the horse after two disappointing performances. One bright spot continues to be Ross McCausland. I thought uh, he he came on particularly in the second half to a good game. Uh, obviously, very young and and got a lot of learning to do. And and young players will you know have have dips. So all of that mm-hmm. is ahead of him there. But what I like about McCausland um, are two key attributes. Firstly, the ability, uh, the willingness. But the ability to, to go past a man on occasion, which can open things up for us. But he's also a good passer of the ball. I think that yeah. that's probably an underrated part of his game. He's got that ability to, to just pick out the right pace on a pass and, he, he, you know, fizz it through to a forward at a good pace. Uh, and I think there was a couple of times yesterday, one particular break, which where he, he gets the ball out wide, looks up, sees a gap, goes for it which takes out three St. Marin players. And then he plays the pass. Uh, it led to a three-on-two for us that, that we should have done better with. But that type of play, just that other option, that that thing of he's not always going to do the predictable thing. And I think that that can open up a bit of space for us, particularly in tight games. I think that's it in a nutshell. He's the kind of player that um, unlocks <laughs> things for us on the attack. He brings other players um, in our attack into the game. You know, I've... T- as you say, you know, he's a young kid and it's unlikely that he's going to be able to maintain this form over the course of a season, starting every week and his games will need to be managed, but right now he is a really important player for us and I know there's still some chat about the things he can't do, like he's not the best at tracking back at whatnot, but at this moment I'm not really interested in the conversation about the things he he can't do because the things that he can do are really effective and really important for us at this point, I'd, I'd be starting starting the kid every week. He's we just look so much better when uh, when he's playing uh, rather than when he's out. Yeah, I, I'd rather be playing him, Colin, right now. And if he's dropped at the team, it's because of form. Yeah. Or you know, I re- rather than saying, "Well, he's he's a young kid, ergo he must drop out the team every so often." I think sometimes we can be a bit overprotective of young players. Mm. For me, right now, he's got the shot, and and you mentioned there no. Well, most players are unlikely to start every single game in this run. There will be some mix and matching to give players a bit out. So you can come into that conversation. But I'd rather that, if this makes sense, that if he was getting picked or not picked, it's based on how he's playing as opposed to just, well, he's 18 uh, or, or 19 or whatever. But I think that for me right now, it's a case, well, he's got the shirt and he's playing well. So therefore, he should be the first choice up until he's not playing so well. That, that's exactly how it should be. Yeah, his age shouldn't really come, in, come into it. If he was a lot younger than he was, then of course, but he, he's 18, 19 years of age. He is at a, a stage of his development where he's capable of playing at this level. He's capable of contributing. He's capable of scoring goals. And he's capable of doing things that are exciting, which we don't have an abundance of across the team. He's one of these guys that gets you off your off your seat when, you get, when he's on the ball. You're kind of expectant of something to happen, something forward-thinking to happen. So by, by every means, he should be starting and playing and showing us what he's capable of. We've all got a good idea that this guy could become 
a really good footballer. He could become a really good asset for us a couple of years down the line. But the only way that we're going to know that for sure, and he's going to fulfil that, is getting minutes and playing. And we just need to do that for him and for us. It's a two-way street. And if you look at what the other options are for his position, there's nobody really chapping at the door saying, I, I should be doing better, I'm a better fit for this at the minute. It's him. He's He's, he's got something about him that we've not seen in that position really any other time this season from anyone else. So by all means, I would be playing him. We've given him a new contract for a reason, so let's start using him and showing what he can do, and it's only going to make him better. Yeah, and and like I say, I think that for any youngster, I think that we can sometimes put the age before the player. Right now he's in the team on merit, and he's deserving of his spot, and that should be the kind of end of the conversation for it, uh, as far as I'm concerned. If his form drops, cool. Yeah, Then you go, right, okay, you drop out. That That's fine, the same as it would be with any other player. But uh, I think that, that sometimes we can uh, I don't, be, be a wee bit putting the cart before the horse um, with, the, with the younger players and giving them this chance at the moment. He's playing with any fear. He's obviously enjoying himself. And I think that, that comes across in a team that sometimes can look like it's a slog. Um, he, he's playing with a bit of spark and a bit of joy. And I think that that comes across to the supporters. And you can see what he's doing. He's obviously buzzing. You know, he got that goal the other night's first goal for the club, an important goal, a European goal. Um, and I think that that you you ride that. You know, you take advantage of that while it's there. So great to see him and and May Long. He continue his development. Rangers made two appointments on Friday, or announced two appointments uh, to complete what they called the football board. And this is. Uh, not quite a director of football. Um, previously, you you had Ross Wilson there as a sort of coordinator of all the departments. Now you just have department heads. Uh, the two uh, appointments, Rangers, first of all, uh, announced that a head of performance, Tom Taylor, who comes in from Brighton and Hove Albion, and uh, his job will be to work on the players' fitness, to work on the... The players, uh, you know, recovery to, to give them individual training plans. Dave, this is something that Philippe Clement has spoken about in terms of his surprise at, first of all, the fitness levels of the players, and secondly, the fact that they were not on what he called the bespoke program, that, that the squad did the same fitness work. And as he pointed out, it, it seemed a bit strange to him that maybe a, a player in their mid-30s with an injury history was having the same training as a 19-year-old with no injury history and, and different body types and different miles in the legs and all those sort of things. Um, that's that's what Tom Taylor's been brought in from Brighton to do. Comes with a good reputation. You'd imagine that anyone being appoint, appointed should. But certainly the words that, that, that emanated from Brighton about him were very positive. And let's face it, it conditioning at Rangers there's clearly been an issue over the last few seasons because the injury list has been almost comedic at times yeah and I think it's important to to emphasize that that it has been an issue over the last few seasons this wasn't to be fair to him, a problem uh, that started with uh, Michael Beale there was the same uh, arguments and issues when Van Bronckhorst was the manager and even when you go back to Gerrard's last season and when we had a really weird pre-season that didn't seem to set us up uh, to hit the ground running for that season coming ahead, which you know ultimately uh, led to us being knocked out of the, the Champions League. So yeah, this is this has been an issue, and it's it's hard for a fan, I suppose, in a way, to judge this because we're not 
on the training ground every day. We're not seeing what the coaches uh, are doing. So all we can do is, you know, the eye test. What do we see in front of us on on a match day? And yeah, just the amount of times you've watched a Rangers performance and you you think we don't look the fit team here. We look like we're being out for and 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 outrun. Mm. And that's just, I mean, historically, that's just something that the Rangers support will not accept. You know, so yeah, it's. Clearly something that needs to be worked on. I mean, the injury record in itself says that there's something not right there within the within the system, within the setup, so it needs to be addressed. So I'm glad that this appointment has been made. And yeah, hopefully now, you know, a stub toe doesn't lead to every player being out for six months. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, yeah, we have a lot of games, I understand that, but... You accept you'll get some injuries in matches, call and that that can happen. But good God, we we are beyond unfortunate. And after a while, you stop as a fan thinking we're unlucky, and you start thinking right, there's an issue here. And clearly, they think that too. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made this appointment. Yeah, absolutely. There's like it's, it's the oldest time is there isn't luck, there isn't unluck. There's just reasons why things happen, isn't there? When it comes to science like this, there's either, like you said, not bespoke training programs, not paying attention to all the data they've now got from all the devices that the players wear that should be able to tell them or at least warn them when they're getting close to that red zone and all that sort of stuff for when their bodies are getting close to having a break or needing a break. We need to just start using that and being smart and using all that stuff that's available to us now in 2023 and not just have a, a one-size-fits-all programme for 28 people. You wouldn't manage 28 people the exact same in any walk of work, never mind athletes that have all got different abilities, have all got different body types, have all got different niggles, history, everything else that goes with it. So it's something we really need to see improve. I think we've got a little bit of a, a boost since the doctor came back in, and this is the next part of that, I think, of getting just a proper strategy around all that and having everybody sort of singing off the same hymn sheet and working together with a proper plan. And that goes, as I'm sure you're about to go into the whole recruitment side of things as well, has to have that sort of cohesive plan behind it and not just a kind of scattergun approach I think we saw in the summer. Well, on that, Rangers have brought in Niels Coppen from PSV Eindhoven as the Director of Football Recruitment and his job, and it was outlined nakedly in the, the statement the Rangers put up, is to oversee the the player trading model, the much spoken about, but so far hard to detect player trading model. And one that cuts out, Dave, this thing of where Ross Wilson can sit at an AGM and say, well, I, I don't sign all the players. Nobody seemed, you know, it seemed to be that people wanted to take responsibility for good signings, but the bad signings just seemed to happen by just bad luck. The guy turned up one day at Ibrox and signed a contract and nobody quite knew how it was offered. So that's gone now, right? This is the guy who is responsible for finding the players. But he's also the guy that's responsible for selling the players, for moving them on. We've been terrible at moving people on at their peak value. We've been at times overly sentimental, at times unrealistic, at times held on to players far too long and have ended up leaving for nothing. So players going out the door, and let's be honest, right at the start, he'll have a bit of a job moving players on because of the absolute wreckage that was the <laughs> summer transfer dealings. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, brought that first point up because that was something that really annoyed me. You know, the sheer lack of 
responsibility that seemed to run throughout the hierarchy of the club. You know, the, the recruitment hasn't been great. Well, it's not my fault. Okay, but whose fault is it then? It has to be it has to be someone's fault. Somebody needs to be the main guy here. So now we know we've got uh, this main guy in. So that's good because this was a position we need to get filled. I'm not going to lie and say I know an awful lot about, about the guy. I'm just happy we brought uh, someone in here. He has got a hell of a, a job on his hand because, well, one, we need to bring better players in than we currently got. And we've spent a lot of money in this uh, past window on players who are absolute draws. And, you know, I, we're going to take, I think financially, we're going to take a hell of a hit here. I think his first job is going to be just um, there we are. Min- minimalising that hit as much as possible because I don't think we're going to get four million back for Dessers or three and a half million for Sam Lammers. But if we can get, you know, something to, to minimise that hit, that's, that's going to be great. You know, there's... I'm, I'm not saying this is a good or a bad thing, but there was just a wee alarm bell going off my head, David, when he got appointed and finding out that he worked with the manager before in Belgium. I said, not saying that's a good or a bad thing, but there was a wee voice in where we're supposed to have done this extensive search that's been going for months and we've got a guy who worked, who just happened to work for the new manager before. We bit of coincidence. He, he he was asked about that, and he said yesterday that he didn't. It was only a, I think six months that they they kind of missed each other. Um, it was only a few months, and he hasn't really worked with them before. Because I know what you mean. At first, I was like, "All oh, right." So I mean, it literally pal, could but, be a coincidence. Um, <laughs> it, it could be a coincidence, definitely. Uh, as you say, though, the the proof is in the pudding uh, yeah. with these guys because you can physically see on the park the results <laughs> of you know the fitness that we've discussed, the, the 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 quality of players coming in, and Colin. That leads us then into the AGM now. I think that the board are going to get a tough time um, because it's understandable. And to be honest, I don't see anything other than a mea. They deserve to get a tough time because I, I can't see anything other than just a mea culpa of admitting we fucked up in the summer badly. We allowed Michael Beale his head and we allowed a culture of that one person was getting to do everything and it didn't work. That you know We made a decision to do that. It, it was a, a decision that would either go well or go badly, and it went badly. Had it went well, they'd be getting praise. It didn't. It went really badly. And I think people are understandably going to be pissed off. I think they will probably say, well, we've, you know, and try and say, well, look, we know and we've made appointments and, you know, we try and move on. But I think there will be anger there, and it, it's deserved because they had a horrendous summer. They, they fucked up on the football side of things, and I know they'll probably point to business achievements, but at the end of the day, we are football fans. We care about how the football team is doing, and the football team has not been doing well enough, and that directly traces back to bad decisions made at board level. Yeah, and, and nothing will boost their financial achievements like a good good football team. So that's really what it comes down to in terms of that. They did have a, a horrendous time in the summer. They invested, which is what we ask for, but they invested very, very poorly and they let one man have complete control of it at the same time as managing his day job. Uh, when you break it down to that, that when you look at it, in theory, it's, it was crazy that it was allowed to happen. So, yeah, at the EGM, people will be questioning that, asking why it happened, how it happened. I don't think we're going to get massive answers. What I would like us to get, though, is some sort of a hands up, say, yeah, we, 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 we didn't do the right thing. It wasn't the optimum use of resources. It wasn't the best use of money. We hold our hands up to that. But this is what we're going to do now. And don't tell us what they're going to do now is 
they've now got these new people in place. That's not enough. I'd like to hear a little bit more about what the plans going forward are. What is this model? What does it actually look like? How are they going to implement it? What's it going to look like in a year's time, three years' time, five years' time? That's the sort of thing we should be hearing at NAGM, not just um, read, reading out the account figure numbers again and treat the fans with a little bit more respect, I think, because fans have never had more information and more data and more news than they have nowadays. They know what's going on. They know the ins and outs of various bits and pieces. You can't just pull, wheels over their, uh, pull the wool over their eyes. So that's what I'm kind of looking to see tomorrow. But yeah, I don't think they're going to get a an easy time of it and and nor should they david it's a it's a very rare opportunity that fans get to actually ask questions investors get to ask questions of the people who are in charge and i hope as many people as possible get the opportunity to do that tomorrow and the q a session lasts as long as possible if that means there's one less fancy presentation or a couple less slides shown so be it because i think the questions and more importantly the answers are the most important things out of days like this dave uh one thing i'd like to see brought in is what in industry and any job is called failure standards when you start a project you have to say i will have failed if the following criteria aren't hit if it mm-hmm. if it's completed if it's not completed by this date if the spend goes over this amount if this particular outcome isn't achieved and therefore at the end of it you can sit down and judge and say it was successful or we failed. I'd like to see something along those lines where, where they come out and they say, this is the plan, this is where it's to take us, and we'll have failed if we have not achieved yeah. this by this particular time. Um, and you could say, well, David, that's simple. It's about winning trophies. Okay, yeah, it is about winning trophies. What happens if we don't? What What is considered? Um, I think you've got to have that in place and say, we expect to be winning X and Y by X and Y. Uh, if we haven't, then we'll have failed. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with that. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier and um, what seemed to be a sheer lack of acceptance of responsibility within the hierarchy of the of the club. Anyway, I think a good way that they could um, start that is by, well, let's summarise what we talked about at AGM last year, what our plan was at that point and where we are now. Um, I think if you're looking over the course of the last 12 months, you couldn't call it anything but a failure, um, <laughs> complete and total failure. Yeah. Um, this is going to be quite an uncomfortable uh, afternoon for our board, I believe, and one that they've brought entirely upon themselves. They have got some huge, uh, huge questions to answer about how we have found ourselves in this position. Uh, from you know, if you want to go back from the last two years, end of the fifty-five season when we were in a position of strength to be where we are now, I think a lot of us would have thought that had been quite, quite unthinkable. Uh, another thing that I would ban anyone who's up in that stage from saying uh, or using it as a case of defence. Two phrases I don't want to hear, David, is 55 and Europa League final, because they're done in the past. What what have you done for me lately? And if that, if the end of them find that harsh, welcome to Rangers, guys. Yeah, absolutely. They are gone. It's over. And I think that was one of Bill's biggest failings, is that he just kept referring backwards all the time. Mm-hmm. It's about what we're doing moving forward. And that's why I want to know what the plan is for future and what is success? What do you deem as success in your job? What what were you expecting to do? What are you expecting to provide? Yeah. I think is is vitally important. Um, and what can we judge you on? What can we turn around at next AGM and say, this should have happened? You said this was going to happen and it didn't. And if, you know, explain to me why. Uh, and I don't think that that's a particularly unfair 
thing to say. I, I don't think, you know, I, I wouldn't say that any of us are, are burn, burn the place down guys equally. I don't think any of us are Andy McGowan and, you know, mm-hmm. sitting there with a reboard flag waving it and, you know, I, I, I think that... that Until a new guy in comes in and, and he I, decides that he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> Ah, Andy, it's, it's, it's who he is. But Listen, the pies are still like too cold and the Bovril's still too hot. That's all I'm concerned about. The Bovril could not have been too hot yesterday. Well, true enough. It, it was fucking freezing. It was ridiculously cold weather outside. But, uh, no, Colin, I, I think, you know, you're going to be there for heart and hand. Uh, if people want to live tweet, then follow Colin. It's at Colin, A-T-C-O-L-I-N. Colin will be live tweeting throughout it, all the questions from the floor. He'll let you know what was said, and then he'll be on the Heart and Hand Daily Update tomorrow for a, a full report on what was said from the AGM. Right, lads, just before we go then, we, we're off to Tyne Castle Wednesday night. Um, I don't think there's going to be significant amounts of new options in terms of the, the the squad that we go with. Does the For me, the manager's really probably got look, two decisions. Does Danilo start? I think I'll extrapolate from what you said earlier and say I think all of us would agree that he did. And Colin, the other one would be centre midfield. Does he go with Sifuentes or does he stick with Tom Lawrence in there? So that's a really difficult one, David, isn't it? Because Tynecastle is one of those places where you you maybe do need the the, the extra man uh, from a defensive point of view just to steady things. So that's going to be a big decision for him. Um, it would be a lot easier decision to make if we had better personnel to fill those positions, wouldn't it? Um, in terms of Sefentes or if Ryan Jack was back fit again. Because um, Hearts, I mean, Hearts are sitting... Hearts aren't scoring a lot of goals this season. They've only scored 14 goals, but they've only conceded 12, David. They're, they're not easy to break down. So there's maybe that side of it as well that maybe you do push and have that extra attacking threat to try and break them down at home. We saw how difficult they made it, made it for us at Ibrox um, a month or so ago where it took the, the last-minute goals from Tav and Danilo um, to get us the three points that day. They, they kind of frustrated us for 90-odd minutes that day. Um, so there's there's a case for both. It's again a game where you, would, you wouldn't blame any Rangers manager for going with the slightly more defensive midfield. But given how Hearts are playing defensively this season, you could see the benefit of the two in midfield as well. I kind of always want to see an attacking Rangers side. I'll always err on the let's go for it. Um, let's go for it and try and win the game rather than let's try and just be sensible. So for me, I'd probably go with the more attacking one. At the minute, it would probably be Tom Lawrence, I think. It's probably going to offer more in that position than Sefentes would. Um, but given where we are personnel-wise, there's, there's not a perfect answer to this question, I don't think. Dave? I would uh, keep the same uh, team as the weekend with the addition of um, Danilo in there. Um, as much as, you know, it's so cliche about Tynecastle being a, a hard place to go, and it is one of the hardest places to go in this league, this is not a good side. We're, we're playing by any stretch of the imagination. I think if we go there and set up to defensively, we end up creating our own issues. Because as Colin says, you know, for as much as these teams will come out and maybe go like the Flyers for the first Five, uh, five, ten, fifteen. Well, minutes. Hearts will do that. You need yep. quite a crowd in that opening ten at Tynecastle, absolutely. But for the majority of the game, they are still going to sit in and try and frustrate us and make things difficult for us. We'll have a fast start, but the majority of the game, we'll have the vast majority <coughs> of possession, uh, the, the most amount of the ball, and it'll be up to us to try and break this team down. Let's go there and not treat it as if we're going to play uh, Real Madrid in the, the Bernabeu. It's, it's only Hearts. We can... 
we can only make things harder for ourselves. If we go there, play an attacking lineup, and play to the best we can, it'll be an easy night for us. Yeah, well, confident from Dave, and uh, yep, very much looking forward to it. It's always uh, a, a great atmosphere at Tynecastle. Right then, folks, that will do us for this week on the Heartland flagship show. Cami will be back later in the week to look back over the match against Tynecastle and look ahead to this weekend's fixture against Dundee. As I say, if you want coverage of the AGM, go over to patreon.com forward slash Heartland. We'll have a full report from it tomorrow on our daily update show. And can I also just point you in the direction of Martin Ramsey's new audio book? It's on Audible and all places where you get uh, such things. Uh, a lot of people ask them. He, he does, of course, that that, uh, that lovely voice of his. And a lot of people ask them uh, if he would do his books. He's done his first one, Revolution, Rangers 1986 to 92. And it's now available for you. So please go and check that out. Right, my Thanks to our two guests today. First of all, to David Marshall. Yeah, that, that that's one that would uh, definitely uh, attract a different audience for him, I think, uh, if, he, if he was to go with that. And uh, Colin McMillan. Thank you, Colin. Yeah, absolute pleasure, guys. Always good to speak about Rangers. Uh, thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles. I'll be back here next Monday. Until then, let's hope for two Rangers victories. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> Podcast Network.